This evening, I would like for us to look at the events that took place just after the birth of the Lord Jesus. We are in Matthew chapter 2. We'll look at verses 1 through 12. I'll begin by reading verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Bethlehem is about five miles south of Jerusalem. And uh, at this time, Judea was being ruled by Herod. He was, uh, you know, there were a number of Herods. He was the one that was considered Herod the Great. Very capable, scheming, cunning, and ruthless man. Uh, he, he took the throne in 37 B.C., so he's been ruling around three decades at the time of Jesus' birth. And shortly after Jesus' birth, these magi uh, make an unexpected appearance in Jerusalem. And uh, considerable interest revolves around not only their appearance, but especially what they say. And uh, in, in verse one, there's actually a word behold that my translation leaves out. It was in an early New American Standard translation, 1977 translation. But uh, but the, the Matthew author wants you to pick up on the the wonder and the surprise of this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived. In Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who was born?" And you know, it's interesting. The Magi play an important role here, but we really have very limited information about them. We don't know for sure where they came from. Uh, two areas uh, have been uh, considered. One is where modern Iran is, Persia. Uh, one of the early writers, Clement of Alexandria, uh, proposed this. Uh, a number of people have speculated since early on that it was where modern Iraq is, Babylon. But uh, but certainly you had in these areas uh, those who were considered wise men or astrologers or astronomers studied planetary movements, studied the stars. And uh, interestingly, even though what they 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 came up with had a number of faults, uh, in many respects they they. They did recognize planetary world systems, the computation and calendars. And and it would seem one would think that that these men had some knowledge that the Jews were expecting a king, a messiah. And you think about it, you know, the, the in the Old Testament, when the. When Israel got divided in the northern and southern kingdom, uh, Syria came in and dispersed the people in the northern kingdom around 722 B.C. And, uh, and then in 586 B.C., the Babylonians came in and conquered 
the Jews and then took them to Babylon. And so, you know, Jews had been around these areas. And so uh, I think there probably would have been some knowledge within these areas that they were expecting a king or a messiah. Now, how these magi knew to associate or connect the emergence of a star with the the birth of the king of the Jews, we, we do not know. We're not told how they connected the two. We're not told how they dressed. We're not told how they died, where they died, where they were buried. But in some ways, all of that maybe serves to heighten what we do know about them, and that is that they traveled a long ways, maybe a thousand miles, with the intent of bowing down and adore, bowing down before and adoring this king that was being born to the Jews. And what's, uh, one of the things that's neat about this is most of you, uh, maybe, none, maybe none of you has Jewish blood in you, and, and I don't, uh, and yet here, at the birth of Christ, and the, and the Lord's design, some of the early worshipers, some of the early adorers of the Lord Jesus uh, were Gentiles, these magi. How many there were, we don't know. Uh, you know. Typically, we see three, and that's because you know we're told they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and so we think of the three gifts, and and uh, you know, and you have manger sets, you know, having the three magi each with with his gift. But uh, you know, it, by the way, you know, if you see a manger set where the magi are there, uh, what's really being done is this sort of a compression of time, because uh, the Magi did not come to the stable. In the text, it makes clear that they came to a house. This was sometime later. And also says they came to see the child. The word for infant or newborn is not used there. Although when, when Jesus was 40 days old, that same word for child was used. So it certainly could be one who was, was very, very young. But they, they were coming to this house in Bethlehem sometime later. If the star appeared you know, when Jesus was born and and they followed that. They would arrive probably some months later. But they, they, they come with a question. And the question is, where is he? Where is he? They, they've come with this goal to see him, to bow down before him. And, uh, and, the, and they say that they saw his star. Now, in verse 2, uh, the star seems to exhibit qualities of what we might think of as a regular star. When you get to verse 9, the star is exhibiting qualities that are very unlike stars as, as we know them. And, you know, there have been questions of what was the nature of this star? Was it a genuine star as we think of stars? Was it uh, a, a, a luminary hanging low in the sky? Was it a comet? Was, yeah, I, I, we just don't know that. But they come... To worship Jesus, and and the word here that's used for worship, it can mean to to do to do homage before, to adore, to to honor, and uh, I, I I'm not aware that they would have understood that the child was God incarnate, but they knew they were coming to one uh, whom the heavens had announced who was to be highly esteemed, who was worthy of, of all honor, an eminent king. Well, in verses 3 and 4, we read this. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, 
and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. The appearance of the Magi stirs up things. I mean, think about this. It hasn't been too, too long that the shepherds have announced that they had seen heavenly hosts who, who had made these startling announcements. And now you have these foreigners just showing up in the city saying they've seen a star that's led them to come worship a newborn king of the Jews. And, and, and King Herod uh, finds this out indirectly. It's reported to him that these, these foreigners have come a great distance for this reason. And uh, Herod was not a Jew, right? But since he had ruled over the Jews for at least 30 years, he would have been aware of there being predictions of an ultimate ruler of the Jews that was to come. And, it, and when Herod hears this, uh, he's shaken. Uh, the word that is translated in my version, he was troubled, which is a good translation, right? But this word in an active voice means to shake, to stir up, to alarm, to upset. It's used when the disciples see Jesus walking on the water and they think they're seeing a ghost. It's used when Zechariah is in the temple and sees an angel. So Herod is very disturbed regarding this news. And, and why is he disturbed? He wants to hold on to his power. And one who could lay claim to, to the Davidic dynasty would be an enormous threat to his power. He wants the kingdom for himself. Herod got the name Herod the Great by his cunningness and by his talents. He, he was, I, I almost hate to say this because it's so cool to think about. He was so uh, cruel in the, the grasping of his power. He had three of his sons murdered so that his sons could not lay claim to his throne. Over the years, he had faced and killed numerous enemies. And so with the news of the Magi, Herod, a killer and a shrewd man, becomes very active. It's not going to help him to kill the Magi. That's not the problem. He, he needs to destroy the one who would be king. And, and Herod is acquainted with Jew. It, it, it seems from the text that Herod is acquainted with Jewish religion enough to know that that in their tradition or in their scriptures or somewhere, it's told where this Messiah, where this king is to be born. And so he calls the, the Sanhedrin, the religious rulers together to say, where, where is this king to be born? He knows where to go to get the information. He, so he goes to the Supreme Court of the Jews. And by the way, notice too here, it says, all Jerusalem was disturbed within him. But he asked the chief priests and the teachers of the law where the Christ was to be born. And they answer in verses 5 and 6. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And, and here they're quoting the prophet Micah, written about 700 B.C. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, before we get on the story, I just want to... I want us to appreciate there's going to be a ruler 
is going to have qualities of a shepherd. How good that the ruler that God has appointed to rule forever is not tyrannical. He's not cruel, but he has the qualities of a good shepherd. But uh, anyway, the answer, Herod's question, the answer was well known among them that the Christ was to be born in the town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem was David's hometown. Both Joseph and Mary were descendants of David. Now, of course, as, as we read in our catechism question this morning, Jesus, or this, this evening, Jesus is going to receive his physical nature you know, from, from Mary's side, right? And so, in the flesh, uh, a descendant of David, but also Joseph being a descendant of David and being the father of Jesus, Jesus is going to have his legal descendancy from his father, Joseph. And so this Christ, this king, it comes from a royal family line, from the hometown of David, a descendant of David. Now, verses 7 and 8. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. I want you to notice here. He is so cunning. He doesn't say, how old is the child? He is not letting on his plans. He asks, when did the star appear? Ultimately, he's going to send soldiers into that area and kill every male two years and under. When did the star appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I, too, may come and worship here. He did, he, and these, magi, these magi had to be, I would think for most people, intimidating, intelligent men. And Herod has his act together. So in an evil kind of way, they don't even discern his evil intent. I mean, they're operating from, hey, Herod wants us to find the child so that he can come and worship him. Herod's able to just... Keep his cards close to his chest. Cover up his evil ambitions. And, uh, and, he, and so he knows at this point his competitor's birthplace. He wants to know his age so he can hunt him down and kill him. And now verses 9 and 10. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So uh, the Magi, having learned that Bethlehem was a place prophesied where the king of the Jews would be born, begin th- that journey and the star appears to them. So it seems like the star did not shine continuously from moment one to the very end, but it appeared And it seems like it did not appear and then it reappeared. And and here the the star is so precise, it leads them to the exact house and then remains over that house. And so, again, there's no astronomical phenomena to account for the star, but the Lord can do whatever he wants. But at the star, they're overjoyed. And now verses 11 through 12. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense 
and myrrh. Uh, you know, the gifts that they give here are fitting for a king. They recognize that he is from a royal line. I want to read to you a quote from a New Testament commentary. Here in Matthew chapter 2, we have an illustration of genuine givers. They did not hesitate to make a long and arduous journey to render homage to him who by most people must have been regarded as merely a little child. He was, moreover, a child of humble birth, belonging to a nation that had lost its freedom. Yet these important men not only prostrated themselves before him, but presented him with gifts that were not only lavish, but also definitely appropriate, for he was indeed a king. Okay, now verse 12. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Again, uh, they were not able to discern Herod's evil intent, but God rescues his uh, only begotten son, Lord Jesus Christ, from the jaws of Herod by warning the Magi. And it just reminds us that uh, the Magi may not have seen into the heart of Herod, but the Lord sees the hearts of all men and women. Now, I'd like to to make application with what we have read by considering the reactions of those in this passage to the birth of Christ. And Maybe the sort of the, the the milk application would be with whom do you identify most? The Magi or Herod or the chief priests and those in Jerusalem. Um, but but I'd like first to, to to get a little meatier than that, because I think in all three of these reactions. Uh, to some degree, we probably can see ourselves. And, and we want the word to refine us. Let's think about the reaction of Herod's. Herod saw the Christ as a threat to be forcefully eliminated. He had reigned long. He was fearful of losing his throne. And he was willing to take extraordinary measures against Christ. He was jealous of his rule. He was fearful of another king. And he did not care how many wicked acts he committed as long as his reign was protected. And the lion and the witch in the wardrobe, <laughs> yeah, in the wardrobe, Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion, said Mr. Beaver. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's a king, I tell you. 
Is stepping down from the throne and giving Jesus his rightful place a threat to you? Is his will preeminent in your life? Do you say, my will be done or thy will be done? And we should all remember that Herod failed to eliminate Jesus. Pilate failed to eliminate Jesus. Satan failed to eliminate Jesus. All who seek to eliminate Jesus will fail. As Jesus said in Luke 9.26, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of his holy angels. So dear friends, we need to let the word refine us. And where we have that Herodism in a sense, where the reign of Christ threatens our own reign so that we would wish to diminish his rule and impact over our lives, we, we need to repent of that. We need to hand it over and say, not my will be done. Your will be done. He is good. And he is a king. So let's think about the reaction of the people of Jerusalem and the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Friends, their reaction confounds me. I, I cannot make sense of it. It puzzles me. They're living in a place where shepherds have not too long ago reported seeing and hearing a multitude of heavenly hosts. These esteemed foreigners with costly gifts show up saying, we have seen the star of the birth of the king of the Jews. I mean, this is public knowledge. All of Jerusalem is stirred because of this. So the Sanhedrin are called together. Where's the Messiah to be born? Book of Micah in Bethlehem. And here's the part that confounds me. Not one. Not one Jew in Jerusalem. Not one priest. Not one person accompanied the chief priest to investigate. What in the world? That after all this, they would, it would just be ignored. I mean, these, these were people that, they were religious people. These were people who were waiting for the Messiah. And all this happens... Is it because they're, they're busy marrying and being given into marriage and harvesting their crops and washing their clothes? Is it because they're concerned that if they take any interest in some newborn king, that the ruthlessness of Herod will come down upon their heads? I don't know. But they seem to ignore. The birth of this new king. Dear friends, again, may the word refine us. Uh, you, you have a more than a semblance of religion, your dear brothers and sisters in Christ. You have a holy knowledge 
Uh, but in, in our sin, we can ignore Jesus. Now, thanks be to God, those whom He saves, He gives the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will prevail, and we, we, will, pers- we will be preserved, and we will persevere. He who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. But, but let us not put Jesus on the back burner. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37 and following, Jesus said this, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Okay, well, of course, what do we want? We're looking at these three different reactions. The one we would like to most emulate is that of the Magi, right? Their reaction is one of commitment and of devotion. They will travel a far distance. They will cross cultural boundaries. They will carry and give costly and fitting gifts. They will seek Him out where He may be found. They will ask others where He may be found. And then they will fall down before him and give him the honor that he is due. Will you do that? For Jesus, to Jesus in earnest. Will you go the distance? Will you offer him costly gifts? Most importantly, yourself. Spiritual sacrifices. Fitting for a king. And think about this too. Again, I don't think they would have known that Jesus was God incarnate. They understood he was an eminent king. They certainly did not know the life he was about to live. They certainly did not know that he would die on the cross and take the wrath of God for the sins and history of all God's people. And so if they were compelled to adore this child with their limited knowledge, how much more with our much more robust, fuller knowledge should we adore him? It is fitting that royal homage be rendered to him, not only by Jews, but also by us, dear friends. The king of the Jews desires to be your king also. And I'll mention this verse, these couple of verses from Mark chapter 10. Peter said to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Friends, we're, we're going to come to the Lord's Supper here in just a minute. And the Magi had the, the, the rich experience of being able to, to see Jesus. Perhaps, perhaps they touched Him. Perhaps they held Him. 
the bread here represents the body of Christ. The, the wine here represents the blood of Christ. They are symbolic. Christ is present here with us. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he is here with us. And so we're able to take these tangible substances and have our faith strengthened. And so while we do not adore these substances, these substances point our eyes to adore the one whom they represent. So, with a happy heart, take care not to just go through the motions here. May we compete with the Magi with hearts full of commitment and devotion. Indifference where we've fallen short. Where we've fallen short, these very same elements remind us that there is, for those who have faith in Christ, complete and sweet forgiveness for one who has been the most hard-boiled sinner. So humble your hearts and let us take this with gladness. I'll call the, uh, the, those who are helping with the Lord's Supper to please come forward.